the Links and Locks podcast. Better than most. Better than most. Better than most. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. Four. You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to another edition of the Links and Locks Best Bets podcast. I'm Jason Sobel from the Action Network. He is not Ben Everill. Ben on vacation this week. Instead, we've got my man Will Haskett from SiriusXM PGA Tour Radio. And oh, what a coincidence. He has a new book out. We'll talk about that in just a second. Will, thanks so much for jumping on this week. You know, Jason, I'm happy to be here. I walked a lot of holes with Ben in Vegas a couple of weeks ago. We were both on the ground there for that one. He was still licking his Aussie wounds from the President's Cup. But big shoes to fill, I think. I don't know how successful he's been in this over the last couple of weeks. So I'm going to do my best to live up to his high standards. So let's go. This is either too easy of a week to pick or all of these are going to fail miserably. One or the other. Yeah, we're going to get to, in just a second, the Butterfield Bermuda Championship, which let's just say the field isn't that top-heavy this week. That's as nicely as I can put that. But first, as I mentioned, total coincidence that you're on the pod this week and you have a book out. You texted me and said, I will only come on the pod if I get to tell people about my new book that's out. If you're watching our video right now, you can see it, The Science of Golf by Will Haskett. Tell us about the book. Sell it to us. Well, for all the podcast fans out there, I had a podcast for four years called The Perfect Number, and it was kind of data analytics driven, but it crossed over into technology and psychology and really all of the things that you and I both know covering professional golf and especially in the PGA Tours. These guys now with the money they're playing for are investing in every single avenue. They are unearthing every rock. They are searching every crevice for every 1% that they can do to get better. And it really is kind of a microcosm of 25 years worth of, I think, revolutionary changes in the game of golf. And you can track a lot of it to that. And so I was approached to write a book right after I hung up my shingle for the podcast. And it's actually part of a science of series. There's a science of football, a science of baseball, a soon to be science of hockey. I think there's even a science of Harry Potter. I mean, there's a bunch of science of books that are out there that have all come from my same publisher. But golf is ripe for this. And so it ended up being a book where I was trying to impress the smart people that I know in this business. And then I realized very quickly that I'm not smart like those smart people. So I think for the average fan of the game, it just sort of we look at all of those things. So everything from agronomy to stats to simply contact with the golf ball, it's all in the book. It's a quick read. I can't promise you it's going to make your game better, but at least how you interact with the sport will be better. And as a broadcaster, I think just learning this over the last decade of covering it has been really crucial to just sort of my role as a broadcaster. So thank you for the plug. It's available anywhere books are sold. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Science of Golf makes a great Christmas gift. We can move on to picks now. Highly recommended to everybody. And I, I get exactly what you're saying. And you know this from the betting perspective, too, is you're trying to cater to an audience that's very smart, very knowledgeable, and sometimes yep. maybe even more knowledgeable than you are about what you're writing about. And yet you're also trying to cater to an audience that maybe is coming into this with a clean slate and has no idea what we're talking about. Right. I'm sure we have listeners on the podcast this week that, that deal with that, where we have serious gamblers that do this every week that spend a lot of money, that gamble a lot of money, that know what they're doing and know what they're talking about and want to get our input. We yep. also have people maybe listening for the first time who are like, hey, you know what? Start betting on some golf. And how do you do this stuff? And so you're trying to speak with 
with people who, hey, we have to start at point A and other people who you start at point D because A, B, and C are things that they've known long, long before this. Yeah. And in the book perspective, I, mean, I hit kind of the heavy subjects early. So, I mean, the second chapter is about how the body moves. And there are these amazing PhD level scientists who have tracked every movement of the body and what's efficient and what's not and the kinematic sequence and all this other sort of stuff. And I'll admit, Jason, when I read it back myself, it's kind of like, woo, like over the top of the head sometimes. <laughs> That's why there's chapters, because if you just want to know about the ball and how the golf ball has changed technologically speaking, there's its own sort of dedicated chapter to that. So I think it's wherever your interests are, like you and I are trying to get better on a daily basis as golfers. Like I used to be really good and I'm trying to get back to sort of where it was. I don't have time to invest in all these areas, but maybe if you take away one or two things that we can all do to get a little bit better or understand the game, that's part of it because there's no sport that probably is more rooted in science and discovery than golf. In fact, there's a quote in the book from one of the guys I interviewed. I think golf has two times more patents scientific patents mm, than all yeah. other sports combined. Like think about that for a second in terms of technology equipment. I mean, there's 80 something balls on the market right now and all of them have their own sort of blend of, you know, materials on the inside of them that all have to be patented. So it's a sport that's just way up there. And so I hope people have fun with it. Speak for yourself. Will. I am trying to get much worse. I'm almost up to a double digit handicap. No. I can win some money as a double digit handicap. So Not I'm trying to me. get up to there. All right, Not let's move me, on no. to the task at hand, the Butterfield Bermuda Championship. As a reminder, the Links and Locks podcast is proudly presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer in New Jersey and Colorado. Bet $1 on any game. Get $200 for free. As always, we're going to play 18 holes. Yes. Ooh. This is, a, this is a tough one this week. Highest-ranked player in the field, Seamus Power. Favorite on the board, Denny McCarthy. Yikes. Will, you're on hole one. Swing away. Okay, let's preface all of this stuff with, first of all, you know I have a special affinity for these events. There's always good stories that come out of this. We're going to have veterans that maybe play their way into another year of status. We may have rookies that have a life-changing week, and it just sort of propels them forward. Now we have all these elevated events. Like, think about what a win this week might be for a guy off the Corn Ferry Tour. You could win this week, and all of a sudden, you're in these events playing for $20, $25 million coming up next year with how it changes. So where do we go? Do we go for a guy who's looking for a career resurgence? Do we look for a guy? that's looking for a career start beautiful setting i was there last year we played in a tropical storm on sunday it was the worst conditions i can ever remember calling a golf tournament in and it actually looks like we may have a similar forecast coming up this week warm and muggy chance of rain but then by sunday rain squalls 35 40 mile an hour gusts so again you got to kind of take that into consideration in terms of guys that you really trust who are going to be able to battle those conditions Secondly, Jason, if we look at this, we don't have shot link. We haven't had actual lasers on this course, but look at the winners, Brendan Todd, Brian Gay, and Lucas Herbert, who led the field, uh, who led the tour in strokes game putting last year, putter, putter, putter. And the yes, first sir. two guys who are bunters and find a lot of fairways. It is find fairways and roll your rock. It's as simple as we can break it down. We don't even need the shot link to do it. I'm going to take the anecdotal data. So, okay, I'm on the first tee. I lay the first one out there. I was really excited because we've had this sort of run of, I wouldn't call it favorites, but guys near the top of the board have been winning a very high percentage of golf tournaments, mm -hmm. Rory McIlroy last week. And this is a week where you would think you're going to get a long shot, but I'm actually intrigued because I think there are some good course fit guys at the top of the number when we look at it. 
Odds are too short on Denny McCarthy. I was really warming the idea of Mark Hubbard, about 25 to 1 or so in that one. I'm going to actually go beyond him. I'm passing him. I'm already pulling a mulligan off of the first tee. My favorite outright of the week is actually Aaron Rye, 35 to 1. He plays with two gloves, Jason. So if it's raining, we're going to have plenty of grip on it as well. Mm -hmm. But his putting numbers are spectacular. He finds a ton of fairways. I think this is a good week for him because he's got a little bit more, I think, winning type pedigree from his DP world tour sort of background. I like the fit and I like the number better than the other guys that are above him. So that's my outright play of the week. Aaron Rye at 35. Benny and I do this on a weekly basis. We don't talk about our plays beforehand. You and I haven't talked about ours, but we wind up with a lot of the same names. I have Aaron Rye written down on my little index card right here. I'll get to him in just a minute, but first I want to get to, my biggest long shot play, and this is not a take out a second mortgage kind of play. First of all, this is a week where, yes, last week we saw the blue chip stock Rory McIlroy payoff. This week is more of a mutual fund play. This week, sure. uh, let's figure out the investment portfolio. Let's grab a little here, grab a little there. And so I am looking at some long shots. You mentioned those three names. Not only are they all good putters, guys that keep it in the fairway, but the one thing they have in common, they're all 60 to one or longer coming into mm -hmm. this event. So I am not chasing anyone near the top of the board. I'm going with a massive long shot for my first play on hole number two. Tom Kim is not in the field. Nope. Oh, man, Ooh. we're so close. I, I oh, wow. thought we were going to get a massive oh. long shot. Tom. No, Tom Kim's not in the field. But Tom Kim is 20 years old before Tom Kim was a global sensation and known to everybody as the next phenom. There was a kid named Akshay Bhatia who was thought to be the next big thing in golf. Hasn't quite worked out, although he did win earlier this year on the Corn Ferry Tour in the Bahamas. Maybe some similar course conditions, if not weather conditions. Look, I don't know that I love it. And certainly, like I said, not a second mortgage type play, but 250 to one yeah, in this number. kind of field. That's a massive number to me, Will. I will play a little Akshay for my second hole. He's probably the only guy in that massive underdog sort of category that at least grabs your attention. After he won in the Bahamas, it was bad the rest of the year. It was a lean yeah. corn fairy season to the point that he didn't even get his tour card when it was all said and done. But this is maybe an opportunity again. Like I think he kind of shocked the world last year in that first win on the corn fairy tour. You expected things. Why not this week being able to get it done? I like that one. Okay. Third hole for me, the guy I love this week and I'm going the same vibes not as big of a long-term run and I'm not actually going to put him on the board in terms of the outright play because I'm being pretty conservative because I think we're going to have something weird happen but I think mm -hmm. we can really control our action in the top 10 top 20 top sort of 40 market so the next guy I'm going to he's a guy who has thrived in these opposite field tropical events he won last year as a rookie on the PGA tour Chad Ramey won the Corrales Punta Cana mm. T5 in Puerto Rico top 20 last year at this Bermuda championship. He's a very accurate player. Obviously he likes putting on these past Palom type surfaces. You can get a four to one on him for a top 20, maybe even bump that up a little bit. If you want to do a top 10, I may even look at him from an outright standpoint. I'm being conservative, getting four to one on a top 20 for Chad Ramey, but I may even look at him outright. So that's my guy there for you on hole number three. I like that play until you got to rookie. I thought there was another player you're going to get to that has thrived on sort of opposite field, tropical locations. I'm going to get to him later in the pod, the guy that I thought you were talking about. As we get to the fourth hole, though, a couple of weeks ago on Hitting the Green, my show on Sirius XM PGA Tour Radio that you often 
jump in and co-host. We had Nick Hardy on the show. I've liked Nick from afar for a long time. Very affable young player and just sounds confident. When you listen to him speak, he just sounds like a guy who's ready to take the next step in his career. It doesn't mean he's going to be a top 10 player in the world right away, but I do think he's ready uh, to become a, a viable title contender at least a handful of times throughout the year. In fact, we saw it just a few weeks ago, finishing the share of fifth at the Sanderson Farms Championship. I've got him for a top five ticket this week at plus 650, which I think is a pretty good number considering the field this week. Okay, so you may go up on me here after the fourth hole, but this is how I'm going to press you going to the okay. fifth hole now. Even with all those strokes that I have to give you, which again, I'm not playing you for any money anytime soon because of those strokes I have to give you. This is on my card. I don't actually have a nice card like you. I'm looking at notes right here on my screen. I actually have written down Nick Hardy two to one to miss the cut on my board to play this week. He's made three cuts this season, but he has lost strokes gain putting in all three of those starts. He's done it pretty much with fantastic iron play, which may end up coming back to bite me if the wind really blows and he has to flight it and everything. But a very strong spin type of player. That ball can get up a little bit for him. Windy conditions, tropical, trying to find fairways, weird kind of greens because of that. Uh, I don't know. Power player in the wind. He's one of the best odds you can get in terms of missed cut this week. So he's on my notes here. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to press right back on you there on the fifth tee. Nick Hardy, two to one to miss the cut. Ooh, all right. We got some side action on that then. I, I thought about Hardy. I thought about him in the wind. I'm going to admit, I don't know if he's a great wind player or not, but the kid grew up in Illinois. So he's certainly seen his share of. He's a flusher. So he should be played. good in wind, but I'm worried about this, the speed off the tee. I, there are guys, look, there's plenty of history of guys. I mean, Taylor Pendrith probably could have won this tournament last year and was right alongside at the end and, and couldn't do it. So long guys have done really well on this golf course if they're also putting well that week. But again, I need a flighter, and I'm, I'm curious. I'm really curious to see what he does this week. I think it could be feast or famine. So I'm going to bet on the, on the famine. You're betting on the feast. Well, we're going to be the same on this next one because for the sixth hole, I'm going back to the guy that you mentioned right off the bat, and that's Aaron Rye. Yeah, it looks a little... He's, Two gloves? Huh? That's kind of weird. Uh, iron covers? Listen to his story someday. If you go search my name with Aaron Rye and look at what he told us on hitting the green last year, we almost started to make a little fun of him. He said, no, look, when I was a kid, we didn't have much money. My dad bought me some nice irons, and he took such good care of them. He put iron covers on so they wouldn't clink around, and I still do it just to honor my father who bought me my first set of really nice gloves. Yep. What a great story. What a nice guy. Uh, and what a very good ball striker. I tend to look at him, not that there are a whole lot of uh, venues on the PGA Tour that are sub 7,000 yards on the scorecard, but we're just over 6,800. Yep. Whenever it's a shorter course, I look at Aaron Rye, top 10 plus 350, I think is a nice number this week. Yeah, I like all of the stuff across him. I got to interview him in Vegas, and you're right, what a nice guy. The old bag boy in me cringes anytime I see iron covers. I mean, that was an mm -hmm. automatic. If you don't tip, we're not even going to take them off and bother to look sure. at what the dirt is underneath. But the story is too good, and I feel a little bit bad besmirching him for the iron covers because he does have that great backstory. But, yeah, absolutely love that. We are on to the seventh tee already on this front nine. I'm going back to the top of the board, and, again, I don't like the outright plays this week but I, because I think you're going to have maybe an outlier. Maybe someone gets hot and they have that sort of week. But I think you've got enough good, solid players who are head and shoulders above the field 
and are playing this week, I think with a little bit of an edge and a little bit of chip that you can play some of the guys at the top of the board, but maybe in your top five and top 10 markets. So I'm going next, Justin Lauer plus 600 for a top five this week. Mm. Great start to the season. He's fifth on the tour and birdie average in this young PGA tour season, top 30 in putting accurate driver off the tee, given a second lease on life after he narrowly missed out. But then because the live guys defecting got back in for his full status. I like where he's at. He's got good rest coming into this week. A lot of guys have played a lot of golf leading into this tournament. He's not one of them with those three starts kind of spread apart apart six to one on Justin Lauer. I think he's going to be a factor. Do I think he's a factor enough to go 30 to one on an outright? Maybe, but I'm going to hedge a little bit down farther six to one on a top five for Lauer. Speaking of great stories, he's got a harrowing backstory that I, I think at some point when he does, and it's not an if, I think it's a when, he wins on the PGA Tour. That story is going to go mainstream, and a lot of people are going to find yep. out uh, exactly what Justin Lauer is all about. I like that play. We get to the eighth hole. I've got two plays here for top 20s, and it might not be a bad week to go conservative. Look, if you're like, hey, I like playing some outrights, but this one, I mean, long shots, I don't know where to go. This might be a week where, hey, you know what? I just want to play a couple of props, be a little conservative. Here are two conservative plays for top 20. I've got Callum Tarrant, who is one of these guys on my regular list, Will, of players that I just like on a regular basis. Some other guys on this list, towards the top of it, Aaron Wise, Keith Mitchell, I think are undervalued on a regular weekly basis. Below them, Kurt Kitayama, Matt Neesmith, Wyndham Clark are guys that I just, I I think can go win on the PGA Tour. Kitayama. Nearly did it on Sunday, finishing in second place behind Rory McIlroy at the CJ Cup. Callum Tarrant is a guy that I was very impressed with in his rookie season. I think he can go out there and start contending for titles here as a sophomore. He is plus 200 for a top 20. Then we talked about good putters. Cheson Hadley was 13th on the PGA Tour in strokes gain putting last season. That would be third out of those who are in the field this week behind only Denny McCarthy and Martin Trainer, And so I think Hadley is a nice play this week. He's played well here in the past and I think he could have another good week. So you played two guys in one hole. I'm new to this. Are we okay? Yeah. We, we could do that. We can do two no guys rules. in one hole. No rules. No rules. Yeah, oh, I, I like it. Uh, okay. Callum Tarrant was a provisional. And then I, I used oh, my, first oh, yeah, yeah. I used my mulligan on the first yeah. tee. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You've used your mulligan. Okay. We're good on that one. All right. I'm going to go with one of my safer bets right here. I'm making the turn. <laughs> Playing the ninth, I'm going to go pretty safety dance over the next couple of picks here. But a guy that I've loved this entire season so far, I like where his future sort of is. We're in the middle of this kind of Korean revolution of players. And I'm not talking about Tom Kim. I'm not talking about Sung JM because they're not in the field. But SH Kim is in the field. He didn't make the trip over to Japan. Did play this past week. Kind of fell back to earth. 64th place finish with that one. A lot of expectations because of the CJ relationships, everything. But he has gained on the greens. He even gained last week. Ball striking wasn't very good. Struggled a little bit in some places, but he's gained strokes, gained putting all four starts. I'm not worried about rest at this point in time. Cause again, he took that one week off after Shriners and he is the best putter in the field over the last 20 rounds. Anybody in the field this week is SH Kim. He's a, got a projectable frame on him. I just sort of like the way he's, he was a consistent performer on the corn Ferry tour. He wasn't a guy that won and got his way on. He was just murdering that tour with top fives, top fours plus three thirty top 10 on SH Kim. I think he's going to be around. He's going to be lurking. Might be one of those backdoor sort of top 10 moments for him with a hot putter, maybe Saturday or Sunday. SH Kim on a top 10 at plus 330. I think that's a really smart play. I like that as well. All right, Will, we're making the turn. What's your favorite snack beverage combo when you make the turn? Ooh, um, I'm still a hot dog guy. 
I just like a good hot dog. I used to be a Snickers bar guy when I was a junior player. It was always mm. a Snickers bar at the turn with the blend. Remember the old blend that the country clubs had? Like it was like a mango, orange, something or other. Did you ever have that? Like I would get that. It was like the most yeah. syrupy thing. It came in that that machine that where it's like recycling it all the time. You know, the plastic oh, jug that's doing that you. thing. We yeah. had that at the club I worked at. And so I'd always get a, the blend and a Snickers bar. That was my youthful one. But now it's probably a hot dog and two, three, four ice cold cans of something. Okay. Uh, that's fair. I, I was hoping you were getting to something alcoholic. I will go with uh, just a bag of peanuts. I'll keep it, keep it light and give me a couple transfusions here. And as a mm-hmm. reminder, as we make the turn, the links and locks podcast is proudly presented by bet three, six, five, the world's favorite sports book brand sign up with promo code action to get bet three, six, five's exclusive sign up offer in New Jersey and Colorado bet $1 on any game. Get $200 for free. We get to the 10th hole. I am on the tee. And Will, I will start by asking you a question. When you hear the bet, first round leader, what's the first name that comes to mind? Keegan Bradley. That's a very good answer. I had Keegan Bradley for first round leader two weeks ago in Japan. He was not the first round leader, but he won the golf tournament. But he did win the golf tournament. I am a little salty there. When I think first round leader bets, I think the name Charlie Hoffman. Charlie has not played his best golf lately, but... Just means he's got a bigger number next to his name. He is 70 to one. Good win player, as we've seen over the years. Plays really well in the desert. Plays well in Texas. Uh, Why not take a chance? Look, if we're taking a chance with our outrights this week, we are really taking a chance with a first-round leader play, which literally could be anybody in the field. Charlie Hoffman, maybe he turns Bermuda into his own personal Augusta National, where he's had the first-round lead a couple of times. It's 70 to one. I'll take a chance on it. I like that one. I'm going to get to my first round leader guy a little bit later on in this nine because I feel like I'm going to be behind and I'm going to need some big plays at the end <laughs> to catch up on this one. As we go to the 11 tee, this is my safest bet. I said SH Kim was my safest one. I, I rescind that comment. My safest one, Ryan Armour, plus 300 for a top 20 this week. Two out of three top 20s in this event before. He's one of these grizzled veterans that knows when it's time for him to take advantage of golf courses that are set up for him. If the putter behaves, he's going to be right there lurking inside the top 20 through the course of it. He got winded and gusted and blown off the golf course on Sunday last year. was in a position to probably do three for three in terms of top 20s at this tournament. Uh, I like it. He, he made his way through the Corn Ferry Finals to have full status after sort of playing in that that 126 to 150 category for the last couple of seasons. Three to one, I can get him on a top 20. I feel like that's safe money. All right. I will see your safe bet and raise you. A safer bet with the 12th hole. I'm going with a top 40 play. Look, there's short odds on basically anyone with a name in this week's field. I didn't think we'd have anything decent for a top 40. But again, if you want to play something cautious this week, Sam Ryder, good player, solid guy uh, on Bermuda Greens. He tends to putt a lot better. He's from Orlando, plus 125 for a top 40 this week. Uh, Look, it's not a sexy play. It's not going to get you really interested. It's not going to... You know, you're not going to make a billion dollars unless you bet a billion to go win. But it's just a nice play. If you want to sort of back something at plus money, I think Sam Ryder for a top 40 makes sense. Good putter spends a lot of time on it. I like that one. I didn't even see that number, which means yeah. I'm going to feel really bad about this next one because I was going right back to the safety dance on the next T2. Uh, Brian Stewart is plus 160 for a top 40. He's made both of his cuts this season. Has terrible course form here, which is really a, a little scary to me because it feels like a golf course where it should be okay for him because he just 
hits nothing but fairways and makes a lot of putts. So I'm banking on a bit of a trend reversal here. And I'm buoyed by the fact that he's made both of his cuts so far to start this season. He's 150 to one to win, by the way, he's got some win equity on the PGA tour. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that he could do it, but I'm going to the opposite end of that number and saying that Stewart finds course form here on a course where he should be really, really good given his strength. And that is driving it straight and putting plus 160 for the, my own top 40 play this week. I always feel bad whenever we mention Brian Stewart's name, I call him. I, I just said Sam Ryder was an unsexy pick for a top 40. I always think Brian Stewart is as unsexy as it gets. I, somewhere there's a group of Stewart groupies out there who think that Brian Stewart is the sexiest pick on the PGA Tour. I think but. he's happy with that. I think, I mean, to be honest, he's the only guy on tour. Do you know when every year? I'm 41 now and don't have as much on the fastball. I look at my club head speed when I'm on track band and I go to the PGA tour site and I start scrolling. He's the only guy I got. Like that's the only guy <laughs> I got is Brian Stewart right now in terms of club head speed. So I love you, Brian, like shout out to my Oakland golden Grizzlies. Let's go Stewart top 40 this there week. You go. All right. 14th all full disclosure. We are recording this podcast on Monday afternoon. We don't have the full availability of all the matchup bets out there yet. And so you might find something later in the week you like better, but I'm going to go with just sort of generically Mark Hubbard for head-to-heads matchup bets this week because what he's done over the past 12 months is last 25 starts, he's made the cut in 21 of them. Essentially, Will, he's got a high ceiling and a high floor. That's a nice combo. For matchup bets, I'm looking for two ways to win. Essentially, can I win on Friday where my guy makes the cut? And his opposition misses the cut. Yeah, it's very possible with Hubbard, who's made, oh, just about 80% of them over the course of this year. And then, can I win on Sunday? Does my guy actually have some value working his way up the leaderboard? The answer, once again, for Hubbard is yes. So, depends who you can find him matched up against, but especially at plus money against one of these guys at the top of the board. And Adrian Moronk, who's... Odds, I I just don't quite understand. That's I, coming next. <laughs> 18 to 1. Yeah, I tell me about that one. Okay, I, if you can find Hubbard against him, yeah, hu- hammer Hubbard all day. All right, as we get to the 15th hole, you can tell us about Moronk? No, I'm going to tell you why I'm betting against him this week. Yeah. Because, again, yeah. really good European tour, so DP World Tour record. He won the Irish Open. But since that trophy, it's not it's been abysmal. He didn't fall off a cliff by any stretch of the imagination. But against fields, some of them a little bit better than others on the DP World Tour, it hasn't been an overwhelming couple of months for him. So I'm not really sold on the form. I'm also not sold on the course fit for another guy near the top who I think could win this year, but I think the height maybe is exceeding him a little bit this week. And that's Thomas Dietrich. I don't really see that number working out as well. So if I look at the top three guys on the board and most of the books out there, Denny McCarthy stands out to me in matchups against any of them. So I can get Denny McCarthy at plus 155 in a three ball against Dietrich and Moronk. Give me the guy who's the putter. Give me the guy who's really motivated and grinding at it. He's going to find fairways. He's not going to be out of it. You know, Denny McCarthy is going to be somewhere on the board come Saturday or Sunday. He's not missing the cut. And you can clip that right now and play it for me Friday night when he does miss the cut. But I just feel like he's going to be there. And I think the other two guys are way bigger risks on the board. So I'll take the steady play of McCarthy against any of those guys in a matchup. And if I can get him at, you know, one and a half odds against both of those guys in a three ball, like I found, I'm going to take that right now. So that's me McCarthy in the three ball against the other guys at the top of the board. Couldn't agree with you more on that one. He's played this event all three years so far. It's been held and nothing worse than a 39th place finish. So I think that's a really smart play. 16th hole, I've given you so many long shot options for outrights and top fives and top tens. Let me give you a guy that's sort of near the top of the board, and I'm basing this will based on 
Form is temporary, class is permanent, the old axiom that we've always heard. Russell Knox has not played his yeah. best golf over the last couple of years, but Russell Knox is a guy who's won a WGC event. He won the Travelers Championship years ago. He's won on the DP World Tour. He's got a handful of other top three, top five finishes around the world. He's a really good player. At some point, it's all going to turn around, and I'm willing to bet that at some point when it does turn around, it might happen on a week like this when the wind is howling and a player from Scotland might have a little bit of an edge. So I like Russell Knox. I 30 to one is a little bit too short. He might be a guy that I pick up on Thursday night, Friday morning, Friday night, depending on where his number is and where he is on the leaderboard, but just a name to keep in mind as this tournament progresses. Again, it requires some smarts on this golf course. You don't really just go out there and just bludgeon it. The scores will be good, but you have to give yourself a lot of patience, put yourself in a lot of opportunities. There's a reason why Brendan Todd and Brian Gay were the first two winners of this event. Guys that sort of knew their way or been through the grinder. It was the, the Todd reclamation sort of year. It started the back-to-back -back wins that he had. Again, there's a reason why we're mentioning a lot of sort of veterans, guys that have been around this week. It's a, It could be a life-changing week for them, but there's a, enough trickiness to it where guys that just can value taking what's in front of them over the course of the week plays off. So, yeah, I like that from Russell Knox. He's been around the block. He knows how to win. He has win equity. All right, one more to go. I'm on the 17th tee. This is my big one. I don't know where I am All in right. our match at this point in time. So this is I'm, – I'm either going – I'm either losing two and one or I'm making this interesting going to 18. I've got a weird hankering and for another veteran that doesn't make a ton of sense, although the putter's always really good and he's an accurate player. Nate Lashley, you can get him at plus 150 for a top 40. You can get him plus 400 for a top 20. But why stop there, Jason, when I can go plus 9,000, 90 to one for a first round lead? I don't know if he's going to get it across the finish line. And by the recording of this, we don't know when the tee times are. So I'd be really happy if he gets a first out sort of tee time in Bermuda or an early tee time coming up on Thursday in muggy conditions to where the breezes are going to pick up. But Nate Lashley is going to make me some money this week. So I'm going to go 90 to one, Nate Lashley, first round leader. And again, I might sprinkle in some top 40 and top 20s on him. I got a feeling about Nate this week. His only top 10 last year was in Puerto Rico. It wasn't a good season for him, but he can drive it straight and he can putt it when he's on. I like that, and I think there's a massive correlation between Nate Lashley and the player that I'm going to name at, at number 18 hole uh, for my favorite outright of the week. And I'll preface this by once again reiterating, Will, that this is not a, hey, I love this guy. He's going to win this week. This is a, hey, take a bunch of guys. This is a week to not play any of the favorites, take a bunch of guys with big numbers. I've found a guy at 100 to 1 that I think certainly has some win equity, and that is Bryce Garnett. Bryce yeah. Garnett plays his best golf in tropical locations against inferior fields. Don't believe it. He won the Corrales Punta Cana Championship back in 2018. Also has a ninth place finish there. At Mayakoba, he's got four finishes of 11th or better. Puerto Rico, two top seven finishes. Even here at Bermuda, he's only played once before, finished in 21st place. That's a whole lot of background on Bryce Garnett playing really well at tropical resort type golf courses that, again, um, not playing the best golf. It's not a guy that I'm necessarily going to, you know, say, hey, if you make one bet this week, it's got to be him. But just throw a little Garnett on your card this week. Big ticket, as I like to call him after Kevin Garnett, one of the nicer guys on the PGA Tour. I've got him certainly on the card this week.
I like that. His DFS price is really good too. You you mentioned we mentioned a lot of guys in here. So if you're just looking at DFS lineups this week, there are a lot of guys who are going to make you cuts that are in that seven thousand dollar range where you can stay away from some of the top price guys on the board. And I, I think Garnett's going to be. I would I would think the smart big money DFS contests you will see a pretty decent ownership percentage on Garnett compared to the the broader pools. It's it's a yeah. good price point for him this week. Yeah, very interested to see what DFS looks like this week as far as ownership. Will, you're the best. Thanks so much for filling in for Ben Everill this week. Again, the book is called The Science of Golf by Will Haskett, available in stores now. Pick it up wherever books are sold. Will, thanks so much for doing this. Hey, dude. He is Will Haskett. I'm Jason Sobel. Once again, reminding you, you can find this podcast, Links and Locks, anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Download, subscribe, rate, and listen every single week. Good luck with all of your bets for this week's Butterfield Bermuda Championship. Here's up and you hit the green.